Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. On Monday night, Colts, Saints, week 15. I've never been to New Orleans. It's gone on the bucket list. You ever been, Joey? No, that's on the bucket list for me as well. I really, really want to go. I think it's a really cool city. Yeah, um, I've heard a tad dirty, but YOLO. Um, yeah, sounds like the French Quarter will be a happening place when Monday night football descends upon there. Um, for the Colts... Man, it's uh, it's just like my mentions are filled with tanking. You know, I put out the Twitter poll earlier this week, and yeah. it was fifty-nine percent of people want to lose out, and forty-one percent are still cheering for wins. Obviously, a two percent chance to make the playoffs. It's just this awkward, weird feeling among the fan base right now. An element of apathy for sure, but obviously, still the intrigue about what do you do with the looming quarterback question in the offseason, but where do you kind of stand on the old tank debate? Well, I think, like we talked about, when I look at it as a fan, you know, for a team that I had root for, there's always still, even if it's that 2% chance, there's still that part of me that says, hey, if you just take care of business, win out, you're going to have a shot. You know what I mean? You want to keep doing yeah. that. Oh, the yeah. Bison wants to keep doing that. But I think when we look at it, you know, maybe a more rational fan looks at it, it's probably best off to have more answers to lose. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's something I touched on on Monday's show. I can see both sides of it 100%, and I don't fault either fan uh, for their opinion, whether they are on the, hey, we always cheer for wins. Come on, people. 2% chance. Or the, hey, it's draft, baby. 2%, there's no chance. Like, it's all about draft picks. I will say one thing I disagree with people that I've kind of seen this on Twitter this week is the – opinion of like there's no difference between the 12th pick or the 18th pick I think is ludicrous yeah yes at the end of the day you've got to hit on picks like point blank period I don't care if it's 165th pick or it's the fifth pick like yes your scouting department has got to be able to find the right guys and you draft them wherever your picks appear but where the difference in picks truly truly matters and directly applies to the Colts here in 2020 becomes with the trade value element of these picks. If you're drafting number 12 overall and the 18th overall team calls you and says, hey, we want to move up, you're asking for probably a second-round pick. So, I mean, if you're going to sit here and tell me, oh, yeah, the Colts are going to get one more second-round pick by losing these final three games – or they're going to win the final three games or two of the final three games and be drafting without that extra second-round pick. Mm -hmm. When you put it like that, it almost seems like a no-brainer, given where the Colts are in the sense of a pivotal point in their franchise. Because Chris Powell will make the most important decision of his tenure here this offseason in electing to you know, make a move for a quarterback or – not so that's where I think the biggest difference is when you're talking 
that trade value chart that we always see and we've talked about on this show before moving up from 18 to 12 or I mean even like 15 to 12 that is significant significant draft capital and if you're the Colts and you're sitting there at 12 you might be in the position to draft the second quarterback that comes off the board yeah if you look at some of these mocks so I get it no one tanks I mean no one truly tanks even the Dolphins aren't tanking if they were tanking they wouldn't be starting a 37 year old quarterback like, why the hell are you starting a competent quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick? Mm-hmm. Like, go start Rosen, honestly. Sure. Like, some young guy that you want to see a little bit more out of. And if the Colts are really tanking, they probably wouldn't have signed Dontrell Inman this week. Like, okay, a 30-year-old right. that's – so I, I don't – I'm not of the faith of, like, NFL teams tank. Yes, you might make some decisions that look at one eye towards the future, but deep down, you still want to win. Um. So yeah, that's kind of just my early rant on tanking, not to tank. I get both sides of it. I totally hear fans out on it, but don't sit here and tell me there's not a difference between the 12th and the 18th pick or every trickle down effect after that. From a round standpoint, you got to hit on picks, but the trade value of those draft picks that is really precious. You mentioned the signing of Dontrell Inman. And that's one thing that happened this week is we saw Paris Campbell go to the IR and then a familiar face in Inman comes back to the Colts. Yeah, let's uh, – sorry, I was drinking water. Let's talk about uh, Campbell first. IR, Joey, third straight week you've put a receiver on IR. Unfortunate, disappointing rookie season yep. for Paris Campbell. Four separate injuries since August. Three surgeries needed on those four injuries you know you were there the day at training camp I think it was day four if I remember correctly honestly it was the last day Andrew Luck uh, practiced god I say that like it's like oh it's the last time I talked to my grandfather grandmother is it like that for some people yeah Yeah. in terms of football yeah. yeah yeah boy that got really somber really quick on Kevin's corner. All right, back to Paris Campbell. Um, he gets hurt on that Sunday practice, and that was the day where he was just making people look stupid, running routes in the red zone, individual drills. And Frank Reich saying after practice, you just don't see guys create that much separation in that short area of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so all this hype, the hamstring injury misses a month comes into the season now he's healthy remember he played against the Bengals that final preseason game plays the first couple games hernia injury misses a couple fractures a hand against your Steelers out for hell nearly a month comes back or more than a month comes back against the Bucks, and we all saw the play he had a drop early in that game late first quarter he reaches down for his foot I'm like oh my god that looked bad like just mm-hmm. a quick kind of reaction of like oh god right Training staff looks at him, comes back on the field. And you know what Paris Campbell's probably thinking right then. Dunzo. He's thinking Dunzo, but then in the back of his mind, I think he's also thinking, I, no, 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 not another injury. Like, mm-hmm. I've already had three this year. I'm not – just tough it out. Tough it out, Paris. You know, something like that. He goes back in the game, plays the rest of the game on a broken foot. Uh, kudos to him, certainly. And now you get in the question of, like, injury riddled, you know, injury prone – he wasn't injury prone at Ohio State. Yeah. Um, now, Ohio State players and the Colts just don't, don't seem to sit well from the health department. 
But Joey, I four injuries is 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 notable. Um, and I think where it stunts him a little bit is, you know, you kind of felt like when he was coming out of Ohio State, it was all right. You're going to go from a gadget player to running a full route tree. We never saw the full route tree, and that's where I say unfortunate from injuries, disappointing from when he was on the field, because you look at his numbers. I'm going to say he had like 18 catches for 120 in seven games. I mean, that's, you know, some people would have said that would have been a two or three game right. season for Definitely. Paris Campbell. And he only averaged seven yards per catch, which is the smallest number of any tight end or any wide out. So I- I'm still really high on Campbell. I think Frank Reich is going to find him ways to – get him to excel in this offense, but there's just the unknown. And that goes back to kind of, all right, how do you weigh receiver in the offseason? You can't sit here and say with confidence, oh, Paris Campbell's your number two. You you just can't do that. And obviously Deion Kane gone, so that gets back to the the question we had throughout the offseason. As far as Inman, (laughs) so – I guess let me just run down the Inman Colts contract situation over the past few months. This dates back to the spring. Colts signed Evan Funches. They also give Dontrell Inman a contract. Dontrell Inman says, I don't want that contract. The Colts, right before the draft, let him know, hey, man, if we go draft a wideout, that contract that's sitting there on the table for you, that, that contract's gone. And I think the Colts had upped it already one time. Edmonds like, all right, I got it. Well, the Colts go draft Paris Campbell, second round. And Edmund calls them after the draft. And he's like, yeah, is that contract still there? And the Colts are like, no. <laughs> like, we told you, not, you, man. Did you not hear us, right. you know? Um, so Edmund signs to the Patriots, gets cut by them. I think even before the start of the regular season, goes to the Chargers, uh, plays for them for four games, and then has a quad injury. And then last week when – Chester Rogers went on IR. The Colts brought him back. They wanted Inman to come back. They offered him a contract based off what, what, what Inman was saying. And Inman's like, uh, I'm good. I, I think I want to spend time with my family. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, what in the world? <laughs> What's going on here? Like, these sound like contract negotiations for Antonio Brown, yeah. not like Dontrell Inman. Sure. So. And then Paris Campbell goes on IR, and the Colts are like, hey, man, uh, we could really want you back. And Inman's like, all right, I'm good. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I can see my family in a few weeks. So here he is. <laughs> Inman, final three weeks out of the year. Um, don't know if he, like, cared that much about the Colts sweetening the deal or what. But, um, yeah, it's just an odd sort of negotiations between those two parties because seemingly everything went so well last year. Right. You know, he comes here, he's so reliable. I remember – Late in the year, Frank Reich saying our red zone like thought process is T.Y., Ebron, Inman, all in the same sentence. Like Inman caught some huge balls mm. late in the season for this team. So I know I said a couple weeks ago I was good with like not bringing Inman in because I'd like to see some of these young wideouts. But now I'm like, <laughs> there, there's no more young wideouts. Right. You've called up everyone from the practice squad. Deion Cain's in Pittsburgh. Chris John Hogan plays for the Saints. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what do you – what are you going to do? So, um, What does it mean? A lot of people were saying, you know, too little, too late. Should have done it earlier. What does it mean, though, for this final stretch run here? Well, I mean, certainly if Inman can show what he did last year, 
It gives you a very reliable target, a consistent route runner, who I think fits kind of the intermediate passing game that this offense has struggled with. Like, Frank Gregg mentioned a couple weeks ago, you talk about that yards per attempt number, Joey, mm-hmm. which is such a critical component. I know a lot of people, and I'm glad that we that we got ahead of it on the podcast, have now been talking about the fourth quarter numbers with Jacoby Brissett. The other kind of jarring number is the yards per attempt being so low and the completion percentage being below league average. Like, if you're going to dink and dunk, yeah. you better be freaking accurate as hell. So... When Reich talks about yards per attempt, he doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, we got to hit more 40 or 50 yarders. No, no, no. He means, hey, can we hit more 15 to 20 yarders? And I think that's where Inman can potentially help you out. You know, I'll be curious to see how much he plays because, you know, when you lose Campbell, Campbell's not you – know, Campbell's a slot guy. Mm-hmm. Chester, slot guy. Pascal and Marcus Johnson, I think, deserve to play a good amount. So, I don't know how much he's going to, like – I don't think Dontrell Inman is the difference between going, you know, three and zero and zero and three down the stretch. But he leaves, gives you another. But man, he, he he's wearing eighty six. Yeah, that's ugly. Yeah. Well, why not wear eighty six? Not anymore. That's that reminds me of you know some early to mid nineties type like of stuff. Troy Walters wore number eighty six. Right. Like, that's exactly oh. what I was thinking of. Um, and we'll see about Ty. Just just briefly on Ty before we move on. He wants to play this year. He thinks he'll play this year. The Colts and the vibe I get is they're like, okay, we love that. You don't quit on our football team like other guys. Was that what you what you think about T.Y.'s comments? You think that because of the way he said it, that yeah, it's a little pointed. I think so. Yeah, and uh, T.Y. is a smart guy. Yeah, T.Y. He, he says things. To say, you know, he, he means it. It's not just Paul George talking. Like, there's some validity with what T.Y. is saying. And I think that, think about T.Y. I played through a high ankle sprain and a low ankle sprain last year. And you just bail and you've missed one practice all year? You know, referencing Ebron. So, I, I think if he would just would have left it at, I signed up for 16 games, then there no, wouldn't have been. No. But when he went as far to say, some guys shut it down, I don't do that. I don't quit. That was the line that said, okay. When you use the Q funny. word, yeah. you use the Q word. I mean, how much did we debate that with Luck? Yeah. Did Andrew Luck quit on his football team? Like, you know, that's what really starts to rub people the wrong way. So, um, and I mean, hell, Frank Wright coming back and saying, oh, uh, when I heard T.Y.'s comments, I smiled. <laughs> wow. I mean, for Frank Wright to go there, you know, it's kind of like. See ya. So, yeah. yeah. But with Hilton for this week. Joey, even if he practices all three days, I don't know if it's slam dunk he'll play on Monday. Because Frank Wright cautioned several times yesterday. We're taping this Friday morning. I apologize for, I know I said Thursday, extra day on a Monday night game. That's why we're coming at you Friday. Hopefully you can listen to this Monday morning for those of you that have a life and don't listen to podcasts on the weekends. (laughs) I shouldn't say that because some of you probably do, and thank you for that. Um, I just think that when I hear the we got to protect him from himself, he's got to be at 100%. That's why I think to myself, okay, chance he plays Monday, but maybe this is more likely next week. TY be there for the final home game. 
Yeah, Look Panthers action. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, Pro Bowl uh, voting is coming up. The, the, the teams are going to be decided next week, correct? Yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday night. Tuesday night. What is the debate here with Col- with uh, the Colts for the Pro Bowl? Okay, I'm setting the over-under at two and a half. Yes. Two and a half, make or not make. And I'm not going two and a half when 35 alternates get into the game come late January and they're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> Mo Alley Cox, welcome to the Pro Bowl. Like, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going there. Fan voting ended Thursday night. Players and coaches vote today, which is Friday. And then, like I said, Tuesday will be the announcement. It, it's a third each. Third fan, third coach, third player voting. I say two and a half. What it should be is three. What it, I think it will be is two. Nelson, lock. Fan vote is there. He's a guard. He's actually a recognizable guard. Uh, player vote, coach vote. Like, Nelson should make it. I think he made it. Yeah, he made it right away, I think, last year. Yeah. Um, so, Nelson in. <clears throat> My other lock, and lock's probably aggressive. The other guy that I think will make it is Justin Houston. Whoa. Yeah. Um, he's got nine sacks, and he's got name recognition. You look at the other DNs, defensive ends in the AFC. Miles Garrett, Sayonara. Joey Bosa, great year. He should make it. Mm-hmm. Three defensive ends make it. Bosa, Justin Houston's next on the list in terms of sacks for DNs yeah. in the AFC. Mm-hmm. And again, he's got the name. Like, the Chiefs know him. The AFC West knows him. Like, I don't, I don't know if Justin Houston has had a like Pro Bowl caliber season. You know, that Doesn't might be a little harsh. Way. But just no. nine sacks is, I mean, hell for here. They might build a statue for you right. with what has happened the last five years. But there's not as many maybe tackles for loss or consistent pressure. Like, you know, he get, he stays in the Jacksonville game late to get a sack against a backup tackle, and then immediately comes out. Like he's just kind of one of those where it's like, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Nine sacks is nine sacks. Yeah. So I think he will make it. And then the other guy that I think should make it, but I'm skeptical, is the maniac. Why are you skeptical? Injuries? Stack that, position group? So the weird position thing, you know, that kind of bothered me last year. Is he an outside linebacker? Is he an inside linebacker? Like that. He's not in the top ten of fan voting. Hmm. So if, if he's not, I mean, he's not going to make that, then now you got to hope player and coach outweighs that, and you'd like to think it, but still, I've I've watched how players and coaches vote, players mostly. They kind of just vote for their boys. And <laughs> Darius Leonard still hasn't got up there on the name recognition No, he part went to yet. South Carolina State. Yeah. You know, he didn't go to Clemson or Alabama where – you know, all the Alabama boys are voting for him, and SEC guys are like, oh, that dude's a damn good player. Mm-hmm. Like, So that's where I kind of worry about it. He should make it. His numbers this year, you know, he struggled early in the season, graded himself as an F in that Chargers game, you know, had the concussion the week after that. You look at the impactful plays, those numbers are right up there with last year's numbers. Tackle number just slightly lower in the per game, but – um. Yeah, I mean, I think Leonard should make it, Joey, but I'm just going off kind of past sure. precedent with how people look at the Colts. So, you know, Kenny Moore, nice case, no name recognition. Anthony Costanzo, uh, decent case, maybe an alternate. Um, 
I don't know. Ryan Kelly, fourth alternate. Marlon Mack, fourth alternate. I don't know. Those are about the names that just kind of come sure. to mind for me. Yeah, so. I, bet, I bet we'll see Mack in there for sure. Yeah, after a few injuries. All right, we'll find that out coming up on Tuesday of next week. You want to do some Twitter questions? Yes, sir. All right. Let's start with Andrew. Do you think Adam Benatari's poor performance this season may have saved the Colts from giving Jacoby a long-term deal? I know they aren't directly correlated, and I think Ballard and Reich are smart enough to separate the confounding variables that impact the season. But it would be a lot harder to move on from a quarterback that took his team to the playoffs versus a team that ends up somewhere around 500 and misses the postseason. You a know, of, a lot of big words. It is a good question, um, and it's a question I've gotten a few times. I'd really like to think Vinatieri is a unique, unique case, and honestly, it better be a unique case, or else this regime isn't going to last very long. But. I will say the similarities come down to how much they value leadership. I think two things kept Adam Vinatieri around. Well, yeah, two to three. One was his track record, which, again, I strongly disagree with. Two was his leadership, another thing I probably disagree with. And third was um, no other kicker they thought was good enough out there. Now... The leadership, as I've said before, to be a leader, you need to do your job. Do your job. I, I feel like I sound like Bill Belichick in the making of, you know, the, do next, your job. the next scout video. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's the leadership aspect of things to where they love what Jacoby brings to the quarterback position with that aspect. So I think that is the similarity. But I think deep down, it's just two really, really different situations the position is the most different it's easier to draft a quarterback and groom than it is to bring in a kicker and groom you know you just don't really see that at all so I don't think that they will make the same mistake um, certainly the track record of their careers are, are really really different I, mean, I know Frank Reich doesn't want to talk about 2017 Jacoby at all which I get it to a degree. It was a really incompetent coaching staff, but I don't know. I just can't like totally. There are some trends there that are just. Can you really ignore that? Yeah. Um, sure. But yeah, that's a that's a fair question, Andrew. From Colin. Obviously, we know that Ballard has looked into Jordan Love a few weeks ago. What pick would you see him using to get him, if that is who he likes? Second rounder from Washington or a first rounder? He says, I'll make note that there is a rumor Love may stay another year, he declared earlier this week. Yeah. Yeah, good call on that. Um, I think he played – I think his bowl game's a week from tonight, for those that care. Let's go. Um, I love bowl season. Friday night bowl game. Oh, my gosh. Sign me up. Dude, last night was so bad in sports. Ravens-Jets. Over as soon as the Jets bus yeah. pulled into the stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I watched the President's Cup for five hours. I didn't even know the President's Cup was on, yeah. so you there know, you go. I don't know if you know what the President's Cup is. I don't. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no. That's, that's why our friendship will We never. don't talk politics on this show. No, we don't. We don't <laughs> talk politics. God. See what I have to deal with on a daily basis with this guy? All right. Um, the question was about – God, I forget. It was about Jordan Love and yeah, what yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Ballard will want to use to draft him. Yeah. Um, all right. I don't think you can afford to wait till the second round, Joey. Mm-mm. You know, my thing with quarterback is this. They get drafted higher than they should every year. Yep. And you just can't afford to wait. If that dude is your dude. Got to be it. 
Gotta go, go. Got, gotta be it. You know, I know you want to get greedy and you don't want to give up too much draft capital and you want to spend needs on, on elsewhere, but um, yeah, I, I, I think you probably got to take them in that 15 to 20-ish range that potentially you're going to be drafting them. From Mac Mia Sandwich, uh, they say, should Marcus Johnson be brought back next year? I know very small sample size, but he's been productive enough to be the only other Colts receiver besides Zach Paschal to pass 100 yards in a game. Sure. Bring him back. Yeah, I mean, I, I – um, Mojo. You know, Marcus Johnson's always been a favorite of Frank Reich. He was in Philly with him. Um, you know, the Colts well, – Chris Bowers made, I think, four trades in his three-year career as Colts GM. Marcus Johnson's one of those trades. Um, so, yeah, why not? Bring Johnson back. Bring Pascal back. Have Reese Fountain. There's three. Um, you know, Campbell's four. Hilton's five. Mm-hmm. Go draft a receiver, sign a receiver. Uh, Chester probably will come back, at least as a camp body. Um, so, yeah, with that, knowing Marcus Johnson's contract situation off the top of my head, I think he's under contract. I couldn't – I might not know. But, um, yeah, bring him back. From Zach, are we going to look back after a few years and see this as a draft class Ballard did well on again, or has this been a swing and a miss? Oh, I think swing and a miss is harsh. Um now, I asked a question this morning. Uh, lately, I've been doing some more co-hosting on our fan morning show here on 107.5 The Fan. I asked Joel Erickson uh, from the Indianapolis Star, who's been the second-best rookie for the Colts this season? Yeah, I think Kari Willis is by far and away the best. He said Rock Yassin. Um, I think some might say Bobby Okariki. But after that, man, you know... Ban Banigu, I guess a little bit. Definitely not Campbell. So, I think this rookie class has been just kind of, uh, just kind of okay. Yeah, you know, some some nice, maybe at least slightly better than okay. Because I think you found like kind of three or four defensive guys that you feel pretty good about. Like let's say let's say you play what fifteen ish defensive guys a game, like meaningful snaps. I think the Colts see about three or four guys in this draft class that can continue to fill, you know, those spots, which is nice. Um, but still, I mean, you've got, you know, it's probably the biggest offseason Ballard will will have as a GM. Quarterback is the overarching theme with all of that in his decision there. But still, Joey, I mean, he's got to hit. He's got to hit on this draft big time. Because when you go back to 2017, it's kind of like some fans are debating whether you give Malik Hooker a second contract. Mm-hmm. Some fans are ready to send Quincy Wilson to wherever. Terrell Basham is blocking a punt on Thursday Night Football for the Jets. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Um, Zach Banner's playing Zach for the Banner's become a folk hero in Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know, Marlon Mack, certainly a hit. Grover Stewart, I would say a hit. Anthony Walker, a hit. And Nate Hairston in, in New, York New York as well. Yeah. So um, just kind of a okay draft class. Yeah. Uh, when you miss on the early picks, it hurts. Now Walker and Mack are great, great hits in the in the um, day three of the draft. So I don't know. I guess if I'm ranking classes so far, I'd say 2018, home run. 2019, a little bit better than 2017. Um, and you're going to need something in between 2018 and 2019 here in uh, 2020. From Stan, is it just me or has there been a weird regression in Brissett's accuracy relative to the start of the season? 
Obviously, the touchdown-interception ratio has dropped, but it seems there's a lot more misfires in the past few weeks. Um, let me try to pull up the stats. I usually get terrible service in this uh, in this studio. Who would have thought? Media company with terrible service. Yeah, exactly. Man, his numbers have been bad lately, accuracy-wise. Last four games, 62, 64, 62, 52. It's not great. Um, he's 63% this year. I think that's slightly below luck last year. Um, you know, Tampa Bay, certainly. He had several misses in that game that you just like. You can't miss those. Yeah. You cannot miss those. Um, you know, I remember back in the preseason, Joey, it seemed like until that final drive against the Browns, he was having trouble kind of leading his receivers, you know, not giving them a chance post-catch. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't necessarily know if, like, that's been the case here as of late, but, you know, in terms of NFL accuracy, the third and two missed to Jack Doyle in that Tampa Bay game on the final drive, like, that cannot happen. Mm-hmm. Jack Doyle creates space. He gets open. That is open, especially for her the biggest play of the game (laughs) and that ball is several inches behind Doyle on a throw that you know travels what seven yards through the air like that that just can't happen so yeah maybe the accuracy has been a little bit um a little bit poor poorer if that's a word for him here late in the season Uh, which I feel like lately we're seeing some steps back from him, whereas you want to be seeing certainly steps forward. Sure. I mean, look at what Andrew Luck did early last season and then how he finished. Mm-hmm. You know, Luck struggled a bit with his accuracy early on. The yards per attempt number was very, very low last year early in the season. And then, obviously, he gets Mack back. Costanzo's back. The Colts figure out their offensive line. Luck's numbers skyrocket. The yards per attempt goes way up late in the season. We aren't seeing that from Jacoby Brissett. And, yeah, you know, personnel has contributed to that at, at the receiver position. But one thing I keep on coming back to, Joey, is I mentioned the personnel that Luck was playing with last year. It's not even so much that. You know, when I posted the story to 1075thefan.com talking about the fourth quarter struggles with Jacoby – you know, popular popular response I got from people was, well, have you seen who he's throwing to? And I'm like, yeah, he's throwing to the same people he's throwing to in the first quarter, in the second quarter, in the third quarter. It's not like the personnel mass- magically is like, hey, here's all the shitty guys in the right, fourth quarter. exactly. Fourth quarter comes around, <laughs> we cloned, you know, six uh, Kamar Akins, and that's who you're going to throw to in the fourth quarter. Like, no. Uh, no, that's, that, that's not at all what Kamar happens. Aiken. So that is where... You go back to it and you see the strong pass rate in the first quarter and you think, scripted. Third quarter, maybe a little bit of scripted there. Nice pass rate. And then the fourth quarter, it's like, whoa, what the hell happens? Right. Is he throwing it left-handed? So, uh, yeah, that is that is something that kind of plays into the accuracy debate. Juan says, it's almost a given the Colts won't be in the playoffs. Knowing that in the draft, they will have to get a wide receiver, quarterback, D-tackle, cornerback. Would you still go after a couple of big names in free agency? And what positions would you target that way? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, I'm Chris Bauer's got to spend in free agency. And I mean, you know, Funches in Houston last year, that was pretty significant. I, I would think he's got to do the same sort of thing this year. 
Um, now, what positions for free agency? What positions for the draft? I mean, I'd have to look closer at the free agent market to see kind of where the, you know, where the real spots are. Obviously, draft wise, it sounds like pretty good corner draft. Sounds like pretty good receiver draft. So maybe you stay away from those positions. You know, can you try and find a defensive lineman, you know, in a similar way of like a Shaq Barrett last year? Obviously, you aren't going to expect a guy to come in here and have 14 and a half sacks and lead the league, but, um, you know, can, can you find that 26-ish-year-old defensive lineman can come in and maybe be a new Jabal Sheard, you know, as Sheard hits free agency, something like that? Excuse me. Uh, from Aaron. Says, help me out, Kevin. What are the positives I need to look for in the last three weeks to keep me interested in this cold season that has gone off track? Um, you know, I, I think it's a lot of okay, what do we see individually from the young guys? Um You know, what do we see from some of the rookies, some of the twenty eighteen draft picks? You know, core guys that you're going to build with moving forward. I think that's the kind of the individual thing that you want to see. Obviously, I think if you talk quarterback, it seems like everybody wants to see Chad Kelly. We'll see about that. People get so invested in these guys. Like, even in Pittsburgh, Kevin, people are so invested in Duck Hodges. And, like, I get it. It's cute. It's fun. He has a fun name, like Chad Kelly, Swag Kelly. But it's like, they're these guys for a reason. And at the end of the day, water's going to find its level, just like it's found its level with Jacoby Brissett, it looks like, you know? Yeah, and, and I, I think that's a really good point, honestly. Uh, you know, it kind of goes back to when Chad Kelly was on waivers. No one picked him up. I mean, that's 31 other teams that have far bigger needs at quarterback that didn't feel the need to touch Chad Kelly. So, I get it. Some people obviously also want to be like, hey, I'm tired of – I've seen enough of, of Jacoby Brissett. Chad Kelly did well against guys that are playing the XFL and AFL now. Can we see him against real people? I I, I understand that. I don't think the Colts are going to go there. I I just uh, I don't I don't think so. So I mean, guys that 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 come to mind for me. You know, Matt getting to a thousand yards. Obviously, Hines, Wilkins, uh, you know, Pascal Johnson. You know, does Chad Williams show you anything at receiver? What about Moali Cox and Ross Travis? Uh, defensive line, you know, Banigou, a young guy. Tyquan Lewis, you know, can we please see, please see something out of that second-round pick? Um, you know, does EJ Speed get on the field anymore? You know, Secondary-wise, you know, some, some young guys definitely back there. Marvell Tell barely played last week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are – probably that, that's kind of the big demographic you're looking at is just some of those young guys and from scotty if ty doesn't play whom is the number one wide receiver pascal or inman if ty does play does that change with a probable limited snap count for him oh i mean pascal is your number one wide out if hilton doesn't play pascal's been you know pascal hasn't come off the field the last two weeks joey i mean who would have yeah. thought that uh, it's unreal Nick sirianni yeah zach pascal's gonna play 100 yep. percent of the snaps in week 13 and 14 big one four there yep um, you know, if T.Y. plays, yeah, it'll be limited. Uh, Pascal Johnson, I guess Inman would be the other one. Um, Doolin doesn't really seem to be getting any snaps. And then um, Chad Williams played a little bit. I think he had a target against the Bucks. So, 
Is that all of them? Uh, yeah, there's one more here from Craig. Uh, how much of Adam going on IR was based around the Colts finally finding a kicker that they felt was a solution? Do you think they would have made that change earlier if Chase was available earlier in the year? It's a good question, Craig. Um, well, for one, Chase was available earlier in the year. You know, week three, Chase McLaughlin is in the Colts building. Chase, Chase McLaughlin was in the Colts mm. building twice this year. He was a uh, local, local pro day. Um, guy back in April as an undrafted University of Illinois product. So, I, yes, I think ultimately the 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 Colts felt like there wasn't a quality enough kicker out there to bring in. Now, in week three, the Colts had these three kickers in their building. Chase McLaughlin, hmm. Cody Parkey, and I'm pronouncing it wrong, but I'm just going to go with the phonetic spelling, Young Hoku. I think that's correct. So I thought someone said Young Way, but that just sounds like my third grade teacher. Yeah, you know, doesn't want yeah Kevin Bowen to be inappropriate. Um, all three of those guys have kicked better than Adam Vinatieri this year. So, you know, as much as the Colts, you know, want to say, well, we just didn't feel like the right guy was out. There. I mean, you had a chance. Week three, boom. Like, at that point of the season, a couple so, yeah. things yeah. crossed my mind, Joey. Maybe you don't want to put him on IR that early. Okay, fine. How about a kicker on your practice squad? How about resting Adam and Terry for a couple weeks? Saying, hey, man, we know you're hurt. Let's chill. Let's bring a guy in. We'll monitor things week by week, and we'll go from there. You know, we've seen multiple teams carry a couple kickers this season. So, that's where, again, it goes back to the malpractice of uh, the fact that you saw signs last year. You saw signs of him getting hurt in the preseason. Obviously, you saw the signs in the first two weeks of the season. Boom, there's week three. Chance, young kickers in your building. And you still said no at that point. Um, that's an issue. All right, dude. What's going to happen? Monday night down there in the big easy keys to the game and then let's do a prediction yeah keys to the game um you know the saints haven't lost at home in consecutive weeks since 2014 mm. so yeah it was you know colts fans definitely were pulling for the uh saints last week right 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 um if you look at their numbers joey they they're, they're good obviously but they aren't like elite crazy elite in a lot of categories they're just kind of slightly better than average in tons of areas they're like 8 to 12 ranked in so many different areas. So, um, key number one, your plan for Michael Thomas. Jared Cook, a little iffy at tight end with a concussion. It's Michael Thomas and a bunch of who at the receiver position, really, and not like who day Saints. Is it who day Saints? Who dat. Who dat. Who day Bengals. Maybe. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what is your plan for Thomas? You know, Thomas – I feel like he's kind of one of the more unknown stars in our league. You know, you don't really hear a lot about sure. him. And really he's just like a – he's 6'3", but, like, I don't think he's like a menacing Julio, like, just dominates you with his frame. But, you know, talking a little bit to some people that cover the Saints, they're just like, that dude is just a crazy, crazy competitor, Michael Thomas. And he's on pace to break Marvin Harrison's record for single-season catches. The Colts have got to have a plan, whether that involves a limited Pierre Desir – or whatever, and that plan probably needs to involve multiple people. And honestly, a big thing is just just make someone else in the skill group beat you. 
probably it'll be Kamara, but take away Michael Thomas. You know, he pretty much averages like nine catches a game. Number two, um, get Marlon Mack going. You know, the more I think about this game, Joey, I'm like, what about the Kansas City blueprint? Yeah. You know, can you get Mack going and then play a little keep away? Byproduct of that is, you know, you, you, you're limiting possessions. Certainly you're producing on the ground. Um, I think getting Marlon Mack back over 100 yards is absolutely vital. And you're quieting. As Frank Reich said this week, it's Arrowhead, it's a Superdome. Like, those are the two loudest environments in the NFL. So, can you accomplish that like you did in week five? And then thirdly, and this kind of builds off the the previous point, you have to take advantage of the trenches. The Saints are banged up. Andres Pete at left guard, Teron Armstead at left tackle. Then in the 49ers game, they lose Sheldon Rankins, the defensive tackle, and Marcus Davenport, defensive end, who has good amount of sacks on the year. I mean, those are two former first-round picks. Like, that is an absolute must of taking advantage of the trenches. And, again, that goes back to week five against Kansas City. And I think when I say take away the, tr- the take advantage of the trenches against New Orleans, from a defensive line standpoint, Danico Autry, he's got to show up big time. I think it's been a slightly disappointing season in the production for Autry. Really, since week two, he's been pretty quiet in the sack department. You need Autry to disrupt and blur some of those passing lanes for Drew Brees. Um, so I think that is a big, big key. What's it going to be? Upset? Um, Kansas no. City 2.0? No, no, I can't go there. I can't go all, all in on the upset. But I would say in talking to some of my colleagues, I'm probably thinking the game's going to be closer than most think. I think most people are going like 31-17. I'm going 30-20. to 20. Because I do think the Colts will be able to somewhat accomplish their blueprint. But, um, you know, having said that, New Orleans run defense, now they've lost a couple guys on their D-line. It's not as bad as Kansas City. So Kansas City was just terrible. So um, I think it'll be somewhat competitive, but the Saints pull away late. And, uh, yeah, that would officially eliminate the Colts from the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I forgot. that. That's a pretty – Huge storyline going into yeah, that. Yeah, got to win them all. Yeah, let, yeah, quickly before we wrap up here, playoff hopes for the Colts, all right? Number one, have to win out at Saints, home to the Panthers, who stink, at the Jags, who stink. So, I mean, it's doable if you can get through this first game. Titans and Texans split their week 15 and 17 matchups. Mm-hmm. Okay. Titans lose to the Saints next week, and Texans lose to the Bucks next week. All those things happen, you win the division. Everyone finishes 9-7. and seven. For the wild card, you need the Steelers to lose out. I don't see that happen. Bills at Jets at Ravens, who will be starting RG3. And you'd also need Oakland and uh, Cleveland. Cleveland's ahead of the Colts in the playoff standings right now. Ooh. That's rough. That is rough, man. So, yeah, that's... That's what needs to happen for the Colts to get in. Uh, they cannot be eliminated this week w- without losing. If they win, no matter what happens still in the games it. on Sunday, they are still alive for the playoffs. So, yeah, that wraps it up. He's Joel Monaire. I'm Kevin Bowen. Uh, we'll be back again Tuesday, obviously, with the game on Monday night. We'll be back Tuesday, and we'll figure out the week plan from there. So, everybody have a great weekend, and thanks for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner.
This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.